thing I've definitely understood but never actually conceded to is that change is inevitable. Being stagnant really gets you nowhere and being stubborn can leave you in a rut. It's almost like driving into a ditch and pigheadedly refusing to do anything other than mash your foot to the floorboards to try to gun it and get out. <laughs> nah, bro. Um, you might have to do something else, like you might have to shift gears or call a tow truck or even flag a passing motorist to help you push. You've all heard it before. The point is, you're not simply going to be able to do things the way you've always done them and realistically expect any different results. This episode is my story of 2017. Well, that's not entirely true because along the way, I flagged down a passing motorist to help. So I'm going to rephrase what I just said. My part of the episode is me telling my story of 2017. And the other part of the story is being told by CJ, the host of the Normalize podcast. Two stories being told by two people in one episode. Parallels may exist. They may not. However, with this episode, I'm switching gears and trying to do a little more than just gun it to get out of this ditch. Change is inevitable. And from one perspective, 2017 was no different than 2016 from the fact that there was constant change. And I guess the way you look at that change, how you interpret that information will determine whether or not that change is positive or negative. In 2017, I saw a lot of change that actually got its start in 2016. I um, bought a house in 2016, and I grew up in an apartment or a townhouse or living in my grandfather's basement or out of our two-door two Honda XL. So having a house with a big backyard and privacy to see my daughters grow up in was a huge event for me. And that was a real positive for me. It showed some type of accomplishment for me in life. And I'm sure my mother was really grateful to see that accomplishment and her hard work pay off for me. So in 2017, this house turned one years old. That's a big deal. 2016, I had my youngest daughter, Charlie. She turned one in 2017. That was another accomplishment because that first year of life can be such a challenge. It's scary because they don't speak. and <laughs> You want to make sure you're doing the right thing and that you're giving them everything that they need. My oldest daughter, Morgan, entered kindergarten, and that's just crazy. I remember when she was born, and when she came out of the room, she was just crying so much. And when she was in the room, I used to always sing this song by Modest Yahoo, I Will Be Light. And so when I sang it to her when she was born, she just she got quiet. It's like she knew who I was from the second she heard my voice. And with those good, there was also negatives in 2017, starting with Donald Trump. My dog for nine years, one of my closest friends, she, uh, she basically died in my arms. And I lost contact with family members who I love very much. But as I'll explain, these negatives 
I've used them as a positive. But perhaps the biggest gain, the best positive, the biggest thing that happened to me in 2017 was I found my voice through the Normalized Podcast. Hey everybody, this is CJ, host of the Normalized Podcast. I thank you for your time and attention. In my opinion, any good story is told in three parts. A beginning, a middle, and an end. And that is exactly how I plan to share my story of 2017 with you. And being that we are at the top of it all, I'm going to start from the beginning. And the beginning starts with a loss. I lost my place to live. Reality hit hard and hard as hell, really. The inevitable happened and change showed up. Change meant I had to change my place of residence and find something else which got at me at my core. Reason being is there was an effort that I put into figuring out how to keep me there and keep this going. But that didn't work. Nothing that is of any substance happens overnight. Besides winning lottery numbers being drawn or ghosting on a chick you told you had feelings for the night before. I studied, I practiced, I rehearsed, and I lost. I felt like a complete failure and loser at this thing called adulting. How could you let this happen? You didn't see the writing on the wall. You don't have a plan B. You don't even have money to rent a U-Haul. The fuck, Jay? How did you let this happen? All right, so I'm going to answer my own questions for you. I let this happen because I knew the truth and didn't want to face the facts. The race had run its course. The ship had sailed. It looked like I got left off bad and bougie because I got left off bad and bougie. No, honestly, I did see the writing on the wall because for the most part, it was my manuscript that did the writing. Cursive is for suckers, by the way. All indicators were indicating that my time was through, but still, I did not want to face it. I didn't want to face it at all. Plan B, what, what, what's a plan B? Most of the time, I don't even have a plan A. I kind of just show up and every day is brand new. Voila. Magic. My job has always been figuring out how to circumnavigate the fuck shit and get around it. And if you go back to the part where I said I lost, then you'd see I didn't do a good job this time. A U-Haul for what? I don't own anything. I mean, I own stuff, but stuff doesn't really hold sentimental value to me. With the exception of one item. So it was nothing to move or take that a few cardboard boxes and some force flex glad bags couldn't handle. I'm here maybe because this is where I'm supposed to be. Groceries. Destroy and rebuild. Also, here's a number of different things that happened to me in the beginning of my 2017. This happened to everyone on January 20th at 9 a.m. Trump became president. Now, I didn't feel like it was the end of society as we know it. However, I did think, eh, destroy and rebuild. And something is definitely being destroyed. We'll see how that rebuild goes. I guess as long as North Korea doesn't like blow up Guam and Hawaii, we should be straight. Zero episodes were also introduced on the By Chance podcast, including my most downloaded show ever, a review of Frank Ocean's Blonde. Here's the secret about those zero episodes. 
they exist because I couldn't commit to pushing hard to get guests to appear. And I wanted to give you all something to listen to. Essentially, the purpose and integrity of the show was compromised because the recurring SoundCloud fee pushed me to create content. They were never a part of the plan. I was dating a bit and I went out on a really wild date that I came back to tell you all a story about. And that story was told in episode eight, dumped at the 60 minute mark. Go back and listen to it. It's a good story. On this date, it was more like an interview. I was taken out to be interviewed and asked a series of questions. Most of all, I forget, but there are a couple I remember right now. Like, how do you feel about black women? And my personal favorite, you're raising sons. How does that make you feel? Needless to say, we didn't get a good feel for one another, but nothing lost, nothing gained. No hard feelings. I also had another date. Um, and I took a picture in front of a big blue cock. Well, I'm going to assume that big blue cock was a rooster and not a hen, but I didn't check under the hood to see what that was all about. Um, but you yourself can go see me and this big blue cock on my IG feed. Um, it's in the description. J Del Negro. Lastly, like my job moved into a new building and that was pretty neat and encouraging for a little while. And the part that was most neat and encouraging for me, and this might sound simple and silly, was I had windows again. See, before we moved into this space, we were in another space in a different building, which was essentially a hallway with some desk in it. And there was no view to the outside world whatsoever. I am very thankful for windows. It's funny how a day that was so dreary can be so clear in my head. It was January 6th and I was staring out of the window of Fuddruckers, just watching the rain and drizzle come down. Paranoid, thinking of how I'm staring out at this window and I'm basically about to do something that allows the entire world to stare into my window to stare into me as a person. I was sitting with my wife having an anxiety attack because I knew I was about to push out into social media my normalized podcast. And up to this point, I had created five episodes of what I thought was a very unique and very telling podcast about what my experiences have been as a black male. But I wanted it to be different. I wanted to make myself vulnerable because I felt if I was vulnerable, if I shared my deepest fears, that you as the listener would become empathetic and maybe you would understand what it's like being a black man a little more. Maybe not understand, just be a little more empathetic. <laughs> so that was my grand idea. Up to that point, I had no idea what a podcast was. I had done some research. I was told to start a podcast by my therapist. I really didn't know what it was. So I had done some research and I had you know, worked to put together five very unique episodes that flowed like a story. I just didn't want to be somebody who was bitching or talking about pop culture. I wanted to have something in depth, something thoughtful. I didn't want to waste words. And so as I sat there and stared out that window, knowing that I had to take this jump, 
that I had to throw caution to the wind and actually do this. I never had a Facebook account. I didn't want people to know who I was. I was where I was and I would be where I'd be. And so I did it. I hit post and just like that, the first five episodes of the podcast were published. And then as I sat there full of anxiety, I realized nothing happened. <laughs> that was just it. I just posted it. Nobody really gave a shit. Um, and so I was like, wow, you know, I, I don't know. It's just crazy how you internalize things. And yeah, January 6th. In about 13 or 14 more days, the anxiety would come to its ultimate peak when Donald Trump was inaugurated. It was just a horrible feeling. As I've explained before, it just felt like America has basically said, fuck you. Because one of the better, more honest presidents ever, you know, not one of our forefathers who owned slaves and basically lived or promoted a way of life that was only for a certain few people. But a person who actually lived the American dream and accomplished the American dream from nothing and believed in the American dream for everybody. He was turning over the reins to an entitled piece of shit. And everybody in the country knows it. But nobody gave a fuck. It's basically saying fuck you. And that's how I felt as a black man. And I had to sit there and stomach it, as did millions of other Americans. And learn to live with a constant stress throughout the course of the year. It's funny because as I, my podcast had been out for about two weeks at that time. And I remember when Hillary didn't win thinking, God, I don't want to push my podcast out if Donald Trump wins or that because Donald Trump won because he is a vacuum who sucks all the oxygen out of a room and everything will always be about Donald Trump for the foreseeable future. And I've never been one to compare today's world to the white supremacy of the past because I didn't want to disrespect the ancestors and what they had gone through. But now I just see evil and everything it encompasses in one man. But at the same time, I realized this was an opportunity because I didn't realize he would be such a douchebag and provide me with a lot of topical subjects to really base my podcast on sharing real life stories about myself and how his promotion of the black man and being in the ghetto and um, being a thug or being a criminal or however he would try to demean us, how that really would help my podcast because I basically stood up with my voice and said, fuck, no, I'm not. There's nothing that you say that's true about me. And everything about me is great for the struggles that I've gone through and what I believe in now. I'm not perfect, but what I believe in is great. And to admit, those first few months after he was elected, it was, it was pretty hard. Um, but I was fortunate enough to be able to drive home after work every day to a beautiful neighborhood, um, almost picturesque. And sometimes I admit when I drive home from work, 
as I drive through West Baltimore through the blight and cross out of the Baltimore City into the county and then into Howard County into an upper middle class neighborhood. I see how unfair life is. But I also realize that I work every day to give my daughter a life that I didn't have and to give her an environment that's free of stress so she can be a child and just focus on being a child. And so it was hard to deal with the things in the outside world that I couldn't control, such as Trump, which really had way too much of my attention. But I was blessed because I had the opportunity to escape that every single day I came home to my family, to my wife, and to my two daughters, and to my dog. Really nothing to complain about. We are in the thick of it now. This would be the middle portion of the story of my 2017. This part of the story also includes a loss, and loss is the recurring theme of my 2017. I'm not really sure if it's perspective or me speaking these things into existence, but with this year, I took quite a few L's. I probably did this to myself because that's just the way I've been doing things. Like, let's go back to the ditch I mentioned in the beginning. I'm in it. I've been in that ditch. I saw it and I drove right into it. And yeah, a few times I've attempted to get out of it by doing something other than put my pedal to the metal and force my way out. I tried how to learn to become vulnerable in different ways. See, at this point, Anyone within an earshot would hear me evangelize about how I'm becoming a better person or I will win. I had all of these new practices and tips and techniques and approaches that would not only help me see things differently, but affirm that I am in fact on the right path, a better path to becoming a more complete me. It was amazing soaking in all the knowledge from books I read, professionals I spoke with, and friends who would humor me and let me go on a rant about me becoming a better me. I was engaged with the process and completely reflective and aware of my own misgivings that hindered or hampered me previously. It was like going to an oxygen bar and paying for what's already there, but it smelled differently. It was transformative. It was a relief. It was what I had been missing all along. It was also the biggest loss on my year. I lost my fucking way. Dude, I was so not myself and I was not completely genuine about this process. It was so bad. Like I would have failed a polygraph if I just blinked or something like that. It was it was not a good spot. It was also at this period that I eventually had a breakdown and cut off from parts of the world. Respectfully, of course, losing myself felt pretty bleak, but there were a few takeaways that I brought with me um, with all this learning of vulnerability. Like, be honest, be present and say the words. And that's just what I did. The longer you live in this world, two things are going to happen for sure. You're going to be hurt and you're going to hurt someone. I had internalized a lot of things and refused to allow myself to be hurt. Thus, that's why I went searching for techniques and approaches to learn how to be a better me. Work through that hurt, right? Like, you know, distract yourself, turn a negative into a positive. Keep things on the up and up. That's cool and all, but nah, nigga, you got to cry. You got to mourn. You got to learn from your mistakes. Recognize and, and do better. Here's an idea and here's, here's what I mean. Say you had a thought, like, I don't know. Um, you had a thought about Kobe Bryant. Kobe scoring 81 points in a game. 
And you thought he did that wearing the number 24 jersey, and that's just how you rode with it. In your mind, he did that as 24 wearing the purple Lakers jersey. Then you find a news article or you see a video and it's quite to the contrary. Nah, he scored it wearing the number eight and in the white jersey. Do you realize that the fact that you were wrong to begin with left much more of an appreciation for the correct answer? You basically etched in your memory banks what the fact really is. That's because we really do learn from our mistakes. You had to reconcile with your initial idea of being wrong and accept the facts and what's right. So shortly after I picked myself up, I reconciled two things. Thing one, I've made mistakes. Thing two, no need to search for something else. There is nothing wrong with me. Let the learning commence. Also in the middle, like Malcolm. Although they didn't provide any of the answers I had been looking for, I read some really good books by Hill Harper, Brene Brown, Malcolm Gladwell, and Dweck. I signed in for Audible. That just exposed me to a wealth of media and information that I would have never made time for otherwise. I am very appreciative of that. That Bromper thing never really happened, and I was never on board for it. But recently I did see something for a onesie sweatsuit, and I might be on board for that. I had jury duty for the first time in 12 or 13 years, and it was easy money because they settled out of court and I never had to sit for trial. The birth of LSG, a.k.a. the Lawrence Support Group on the By Chance podcast. It was really an idea to only talk about the show Insecure from the perspective that we ride for Lawrence regardless and everything else about the show doesn't matter. It was fun and it was definitely a space for that. But retrospectively, I should have used another form to do so. And I'm a creative, so I will use another form to do so because I think they signed up for two more seasons and we can't let that go. LSG, here, 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 here. Also appeared on another podcast. I appeared on We Got the Jazz with Autumn Woodland. It was kind of different being on the other side of the mic and having someone else ask me questions instead. Appreciate it, Autumn, and I'm coming. You will be featured here. I'm a person who really loves the transitioning of winter into spring. I can't stand winter. I hate it with every bone in my body. And here in Maryland, I'm Towards the uh, beginning of March, it'll start to warm up. And this was the first March that I had lived in my new house, in my new neighborhood. And so I was pretty excited because there's a lot of opportunity for me to get up early in the morning and walk my dog and walk down by the river and walk by the parks and just really appreciate what my life had become because I had gone through so many ups and downs that I clearly discussed in my podcast. So to be in that moment was just really good. Now, at the same time, there is the regular routine of doing the same thing every day. And sometimes you just need a jolt to snap you out and realize what's really happening. And there's the one morning when I got up and brushed my teeth and I looked down at my dog, Maddie. And I said, Maddie, you OK? Because she was just kind of laying there and she normally gets up and excited when you get up. And she was a nine year old girl. And she just kind of laid there and I went back into the bathroom and I came back out after I finished and she was still laying there. And I talked to my wife and I said, something's wrong with the dog. We tried to get her down the steps and she wouldn't walk. So I had to carry her down the steps. And when I put her in the kitchen, she basically fell against the wall. I knew immediately that something was wrong. And I was, I could just feel my heart sink. Like, oh my gosh, is my dog dying? And it was just, you just knew. It was just, you just knew. 
So my wife got on the phone and tried to find an animal hospital. My mom just happened to be up in town, so she took care of my daughters. I picked Maddie up, and she fell again, and she fell onto me. And I sat Indian style in my kitchen, and it felt like it was just me and her, and the world wasn't existing. She was effectively dying on my lap. We had a chance to, um, we didn't have a chance. We, we got her to the hospital, and they basically said, this is what's going on. You could put her in surgery. She may not make it out of surgery. If she does make it out of surgery and she's and she's okay, she may survive for about a year, given what the issue was with her. And in previous times in my life, I'd always had a pet. And the worst thing I have ever felt is when I've had to put uh, both of my dogs down. I put my two previous dogs down. And when you walk into a veterinarian clinic and because you can't take care of them anymore because they're in pain and you can't afford to take care of them um, you sit there and you go into a room you're typically petting them and a doctor will inject them with something that eventually takes their life and they are closing their eyes and they're looking at you and you feel like the ultimate traitor because you're killing you know a family member effectively you're not fighting for that family member so this time around with Maddie I had the opportunity and had the financial means to say well, you know whatever the cost is we will just please try to save her and the doctors or the veterinarians tried their hardest and Maddie passed away during surgery and it was really hard it was a hard moment it was surreal because my wife and I before we were married and we were having issues in our relationship we weren't sure if we were going to stay with each other it came to a point like well if we separate what do we do with the dog the dog was everything the dog was our daughter's best friend our daughter had known this dog her entire life Maddie was everything, and it was really hard. And coming home and having to tell Morgan, she didn't understand at first, but within an hour or so, she just started crying. It taught me, and it gave us the opportunity to teach her about the reality of life and why you need to hold on to those moments and why you need to celebrate those moments. And so it was really, really important for us to show our daughter the positive of the passing because it makes you appreciate that moment and what you had with, you know, with somebody you, you really cared about. You know, combine that with other things that was going on with the time. I had just finished my first season of the podcast. I had put out 11 episodes. And again, I was really creative, at least in my mind, with what I was doing. I had talked about how the birth of my youngest daughter and some complications that my wife went through, how that situation reminded me of an abortion. I had talked about my run-ins with law enforcement and kind of evaluated, was it really my fault? And I, sometimes it really was my fault when a situation escalated with cops. I talked about workplace discrimination, how sometimes it's your own people or somebody who looks like you who can actually be your biggest detriment or biggest hurdle in the workplace because of you know, some other self-hate issues that are going on. I revealed to the listeners my struggles with alcoholism and how it's been hard to maintain sobriety and the on and off again dance that I have with alcohol. I really, really went there with my episodes. I really wanted to give the listener a completely different, honest side of a person. I wasn't going to be critiquing and bitching. I was just going to say, this is what I am. And it's a very, very empowering process. But at the same time, what happens is you start to think, oh, my God, am I doing too much? Am I really 
you know, I really went balls in. I mean, <laughs> I, I put the pedal to the metal with no regard. I was going to be vulnerable and just really on a, on a whim take this risk. But once the season had stopped, still dealing with the alcoholism, you know, death of my dog, there was a time when I was just getting idle hands. I wasn't busy. I wasn't appreciating what the podcast was doing for me. And so I had taken time off, you know, break for between season one and season two to kind of organize myself and what I needed. And it was the summer. But I realized I was starting to lose a piece of me. And through this entire process, there was a relationship with a person who has been there for me my entire life that it just wasn't working anymore. And it hadn't been working for a while, um, but it was becoming more and more distant. And while I was doing this podcast and wanting the support from that person, it wasn't there. And that was really hard to deal with. It's something that I still I still struggle with. All of these things were occurring and I give so much of myself in the podcast and sometimes I don't share some of the other struggles that I'm going through and I have to dig down deep and figure out, all right, how do I pull myself out of this? Because I can't get idle hands because I know what happens with those idle hands. So what do I have to do to be grateful to show that I'm really thankful for what I have? When will Jay get a win? Dude, stay losing. This has been the theme of my story for 2017. And this theme doesn't appear to stop. And from my vantage point, it won't stop. Because in the end, my most unsuspecting loss of the year happened. You see, early in the year, I lost my place. And the writing was on the wall. I just chose to ignore it. Then I lost my way, trying to find someone new when I was already there to begin with. Those events played out as they should have. But these last ones, oh, this last one blew the fuck out of me. And I ain't talking the good kind either. This blow was all teeth and lack of interest. My Mac went down. Hear me out. My Mac went down. Total buzzkill. This was my workhorse. Everything creative I had ever done since like 2012 was done on this machine. I produced album artwork. Covers, music videos, logos, touched up photos, broke promises, missed deadlines, got distracted, fucked off, did my own thing when time was against me and this time was supposed to be used to produce artwork, album covers, music videos, etc, etc, etc. You you get the point. I mismanaged and managed all of that from this machine. Then one day I was fucking off and not doing anything worth anything and it stopped working. And then I began to breathe, really. As a kid, right? Have you ever like been at the bottom of a pile, whether you're playing football or wrestling? And for whatever reason, the moment everyone decides to pile up is the moment you're at the bottom. It's cool for a few seconds and then things are tight and uncomfortable and you're tennis. So so your imaginary grass allergy kicks in and you can't breathe. You start thrashing and yelling me, get off me, yo, get off me. And eventually they all do. You're red in the face and ticked off, huffing and puffing, contemplating who will be the easiest motherfucker to knock out with a wildly swung right hook. Just to let him know you don't play like that, for real, for real. From the outside looking in, though, you were only playing two on two. And at the most part, it was three kids on top of you. All that pressure you felt wasn't really their physical presence, but more of a sense of you being closed in. You did that to yourself. 
long story long, I say all of that to say my workhorse closed in the walls on me. I put more pressure on myself than was ever necessary to get nothings and something's done. And then check this out, check this out. And then I would sabotage myself and miss deadlines or not contribute in ways I said I would because I wasn't honest or present about what I committed to. I fucked myself and others over and I got my own damn way early and often. This is that ditch. This is me being in it and driving full steam ahead doing the same shit continually. That old G5 tower with the smoldering motherboard was in fact laying on top of me and I made every excuse not to get up from under it. I am my own worst enemy. No, no, no. I was my own worst enemy. Not anymore, though. Peace out to what didn't work and hello to what does. I'm getting out of this ditch, so help me push. I get bad reception. Can I use your phone to call a tow? I keep fucking up my alignment anyway by just going straight ahead like that. I'm here asking for assistance. And once I'm out, this is what I'll say. The only way to make amends is to do things with integrity and recognize your previous actions are the cause for who you are to become. I do not have the ability to make you see things the way I mean them, but what I can definitely do is assist you in getting you to where you want to go by taking a chance. It's the only safe thing in life you can do. These also showed up in the end. I circled around the sun and leveled up on you hoes by turning 37. I also decided there will be no more compromising of the brand. The By Chance podcast will only be about storytelling from here on out. I've started to smile more and I've learned a lot. I also had that episode with Brienne or Brene, uh, which is episode 15 for those of you keeping score. That's the one where I picked up the young hitchhiker on the interstate and it was probably the scariest thing I had ever done while driving. And I've sneezed while driving before, so it was pretty reckless of me. I also learned that words don't mean much anymore. Seriously, like everything is interchangeable and anything can be anything else if that's how you feel it is. Nowadays, a rose is not still a rose. And most recently, I'm missing out on a good friend. But I believe it's for the best of reasons. Reason, season, or a lifetime. So by the end of the summer, I was feeling some type of way. My dog had died. Some of my relationships were struggling. I was struggling with alcohol. I was feeling myself one day and hating myself the next. The pendulum was all over the place. I think at the time, one of the most stabilizing parts of my life was my wife, um, my youngest daughter, the baby. She was nuts. She's running all over the fucking house. I can't control her. She, <laughs> I love her to death, but it was like, ah. But my oldest girl started kindergarten. And my wife always says I say that wrong. Anyway, she started kindergarten and that helped keep me focused because it was just such a wonderful thing to watch her walk into school and watch her talk about her first crush and things like that that helped stabilize me but I won't front there was another part of me that was I felt like I was just losing it I was I was losing my sanity so what did I do what did I need to do what did I have to do to get back into a stable stable footing I just I went back to my therapist my therapist was like you need a black therapist he was white god bless him I love him and that was one of those important things of the year that happened to me by 
him putting me in contact with somebody who looked like me and my new therapist he didn't excuse my behavior but he validated how I felt and he questioned how I felt and he said deep down in what CJ what is it you want what do you want to do because I wasn't sure I wasn't sure what I want to do with my podcast people were saying do this and people were saying do that and deep down in I wanted to stay true to who I was I don't want to put content out just to put content out. I don't want to just talk just to fucking talk. I wanted to change people. I wanted. I had the audacity to think I wanted to change the world. There's nothing wrong with that. Because every now and then I would get an email or somebody would reach out to me and say that my podcast changed their life. That they were so grateful for my courage. And that's what I wanted. That's what I was doing this for. And so... I said, you know what I want to do? I don't want to do this for myself and my own ego because that's where it was going. I wanted to do this for love. And that may sound corny or cliche, but fuck that. That's what I'm doing it for, man. And I'm all right with that. I'm very fucking cool with that. I'm doing this for love. And because I was able to say that, I was able to find my voice for the better part of 2017. I got the opportunity to speak at universities, my alma mater, which was probably the worst speaking event that I had, an opportunity to speak at Stevenson, um, one of the more life-changing events, was an opportunity to speak at Jessup Maximum Security Prison, speaking to about 25 inmates, some of who were in there for life, but these inmates were taking a college court, or they were taking courses to get their college degree. And for two and a half hours, we just rapped. And to a man, they all came up and thanked me for what I was doing. And thanked me for having the courage to come in there and to talk to them and treat them like human beings. And I didn't judge them for what they did, didn't know what they did, wasn't necessary. I just knew at that moment what they were doing was all that mattered. And that was good enough for me. And so that's what I've been doing. I found my voice. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm not going to compromise my integrity. I'm not going to do shit that I don't want to do. I'm not going to do shit that is meaningless and doesn't hold value. I'm not just going to be just to be. I'm going to speak with purpose. And when I do that, by chance, I'm sure things will work themselves out in 2018. Go on down and tell him.